four, three, two, one. <laughs> YouTubers and friends, welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Hangout Live. Tonight we have Mike Pong, uh, the inventor of Gold Cube, the banjo pan. Uh, I'm gonna say it wrong, but the Nugget Box, I think it is, and Nugget Zone, and who knows what else that guy has in that brain of his. Our friend, uh, yeah, I know him personally, met him a few times, great guy, great builder, good prospector, great prospector, whatever. You'll find out, you'll meet him again on his return visit. We'll be right back. Hey YouTubers and friends, thanks for joining us for another episode of Tuesday Night Hangout Live with Toledo Jess, Gano, the Treasure Vixens, and I. Thanks for the super chat. Doggone it. Did it again. I thought I had that all right. Uh, note to yourself, never do an update on show night. Never do an update on show night. How are you doing, Jesse, Dano, Mrs. Hello. Briggs? Hi, guys. Hello, everybody out there. Hello, people. Welcome. Welcome. To all, our, all our chatting here. While we're at it, say hello. Uh, I see Mr. Lodak, the world's greatest moderator. Mark Miller, how are you tonight? Oh, howdy, Tony. Brian, I called in. I called in a little early, but you know, it's all right. He did call in. Heavy Meadows Detectives. Mining Company, what's up? What a booby. What up? Mike Wolf. Uh, David Peterson, join the Flash Bam. Thank you very much. Oh, good. Yeah, Jeff, Outdoor Influencer is here tonight. What up, man? I, I saw Exploring with the Nugs with us tonight. Rote and Bose, Bose is in. Chris Neville. Jim's in Prospecting Tasmania. What's up, guys? Versus. Good morning, Jim. What's up? <laughs> Zoltan, Terry Curry, hey Randy Scotty Tony, how you doing? Ron F, what's up, man? Oh, there's Wayne Nugget Brain Peterson. 
How you doing, Wayne? Wayne, what's up? Ron F, what's going on, dude? Benjo. BMX are done. How are you? Did we Top say hi to, uh, we have a mining co. Ooh, um, yeah, long time no see, baby girl mining. Hope yeah. all is well over Man. in Nevada. Roger James, I see we have our Washingtonians coming in and our our friends from down under. Yeah, I know we miss somebody. JP Alonzo Moore, Dennis Hedrick. That's Via. 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 I knew that. Via. 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 You know, okay. like Pancho Via. I knew it. Via. <laughs> Uh, Robinson Prospecting, how are you, Eric? Uh, it's good Don't to see you, baby up, girl mining. We thought we you got, got lost. Get that thumbs up going on. Who's in the chat room? Mike Pong, what's up? Hey. <laughs> Outdoor That's Influence, how are you, Jeff? Ron F., good to see all of you. Good to see all of you. You bet. So as we've been going, Ed. Yes, Santa is a guest, Brian. But ooh, ooh, ooh. We, we got good Santa tonight and not bad Santa. <laughs> He's probably liable to show up. <laughs> not that bad Santa is. Yeah, well, he should. He should, doggone. Yeah, doggone it. Uh, Republica Dominican. Dominicana. Is that is that uh, uh, Jason's wife? I don't know. I don't think so. Keldon, I. No, no, no. Butcher it up, Ed. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> I'm not even gonna no. try. Fernandez Rosario. That's a guy. Sorry. <laughs> so it's not. Yeah, Welcome. Uh, if it was the female, it'd end with a, an A, right? Okay. I, I don't know. I don't I'll know. go with that. I, I need my... A, hey, there's Todd right there. Hey, Todd, I went to look for my Patriot Gold Prospecting <laughs> shirt, and I'm like, where the hell is it? Damn it. I have so many prospecting shirts going through like three drawers going, where is it? And then they reminded me that you have to send it to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Monty. Sorry, I'm kind of late. Had to start up my closing task. Hey, no <clears throat> worry. You're here. Better late than never. Um, Better late than never. The only one we give a hard time to is Ert Radio. Can you see him yet? And I'm it? pretty sure he's late, guys. That's so, just because we came. So when Ert Radio comes in, everybody. Come You're late. Why are you late, Ert? Yeah. You, you know we start at 8 sharp. 99.9% of the time. Huh? Why, why do we start at 8 sharp? Because that's well, what he requested. It was Tuesdays over Thursdays. Mm -hmm. 
you know, three, four years ago, whenever that was way back then, playing with it. Oh, yeah. Tuesdays would work for me a lot better. Okay, all yours for you. <laughs> Clock. Over to me, I'll never let you forget it. <laughs> there you go. You'll see if he comes in. <laughs> Don't mention no. Ronald's name. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey Jonathan friend, how are you, my friend? Oh, not a great group of people in tonight. And got a good guest, quite the humorous guy. It's always I I don't think I've ever seen you not smiling, Mike. <laughs> It's either something's fat, uh, funny or um, something that's so painful, all you can do is grit your teeth, right? <laughs> that's a smile either way. Yeah. <laughs> Looks the same from a distance. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. So you, you were on our first year, I think it was. Quite it's a been quite been a while, yeah. Hey, get him up. Front. Yeah, I can do that. Oh man. The controls. After all, he is the guest. That's right. You should be up front. There he is. You're in the spotlight oh. now. Bam. <laughs> it's on like Donkey Kong. Where yeah, oh, did you find that? Hey, don't you know we're live, Ruby? Point is, you ain't seen her finger in front of the camera yet, have you? Because you're about to. <laughs> Please don't. This is a family friendly broadcast. He's thinking. Yeah, JP, that's what you'll look like in 20 years, right there, buddy. I know if you don't, if you don't cut it, JP, that's going to be clear down to your ankles by the time you get over. Yeah, you might oh. be tripping over it. Oh, yeah, right, look, he's up under his hat, put his hat on. Radio, you're a little bit late. Outside, Ronald. You, you were supposed to have been here 14 minutes ago, sir. <laughs> Doctor, man, Doctor. You're like so in trouble. You know it. <laughs> oh, good evening, Chris. DGP Outdoors is here. Oh, cool. Oh, excellent. Good to see you, Chris Dyer, the Dyer family. Uh, Lee Duncan, good to see you. Uh, oh, Pirate Prospecting. How are you doing, Gary? What's up, Pirate Prospecting? It's good to see oh. all of you tonight. Um, we were all just sitting here talking about Mike's beard and, and, and was it JP's beard? Yeah. And nobody has said anything, none of you three have said anything about mine's gone. I, I've been I've been literally looking at you and looking at you. And, and going, what's different? It did not click. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask if pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I I cut uh, I cut four inches off my beard uh, about a month ago. Miss it? 
no, not much. Except <laughs> except when I when I go into some place and I have to uh, wear a mask, <laughs> I just just flip it up like that. So JP does. Yeah. <laughs> Do they accept that? No. They laugh. <laughs> it's just as effective as a mask, in my opinion, because the mask don't don't work for crap. No, it don't. They don't work for that. Well, you know, I tell people as if you can smell my fart, you can. You're not protected from a germ either. So, I I, I like to go in when I walk into a store, take a hit of my vape through my through my uh your mask. You know my that thing. thing? Yeah, that thing. This thing. Oh, your gator. My gator. Yeah. I take a hit as I'm walking in and blow the smoke out while I'm walking into the door. You know, this is how effective these masks are. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a brat. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy that they uh, they're making us wear a mask. I, yeah. You know. You know, let's. I don't want to talk too much about COVID. Um, it when if you got COVID, it's a it's a it's a rough thing for you and for the people around you. Um, uh, some people it's it's rougher. Some people it's not so rough. But most rough of what thing. this is is most. I would consider it more of a pandemic than a pandemic. I, I have to agree with you, but especially, uh, especially uh, we'll we'll try not to get too deep into this. Don't especially, don't use the word co whatever. It's automatic. Orwellian rules the crud. There. The crud. You know, either you wear it or you pay like Jared said, ten grand. If you don't wear it, it's a fine. How can they find you for a suggestion? Right. It's uh, mandated in Utah apparently now. So but I, I have to agree with Mike. It's more of a pandemic and it's used for control and see how far the people will go. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, motivation by fear. Yeah, Jason uh, Jason Cone, thirteen hundred where he's at. Wow. Yeah, he's up in Canada. Hey, Madison, Maine, with the Jersey History Hunter Raid. All, right. All um, those dudes rock. Yeah, uh, yeah Jersey. Digologist. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it'll be over here before you know it. <laughs> it'll be over. Mask makers are making up. Oh, billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these uh, people that got on to making masks right away you know, oh. in, their, in their living room and shit, they made out pretty good. Oh, well, they ain't just that, dude. Fast food companies. Hand sanitizer companies. Hand sanitizer, yeah. glass companies. But now I'm seeing these uh, forearm poles they put on the, the lever latches. It's like you put your forearm in it, open the door. I think, little, I think we needed card. that before before any of this happened. We needed those, so they, I like that. A little card shaped one where you put your finger in the hole and it has a hook on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Those are fantastic. We don't need to be testing germs, anyways. I like those ones. <laughs> I I enjoy my germs. I, I gotta build I, your immunity. I say it's called immunity. It's not called germs. Walk it's called immunity. Shoes 
want my germs will kill your like, germs. I don't want people's hand germs on doors. That's gross. That's like flu. That's I don't know boogers and. Well, you know, don't don't, and, don't grab the door, open yeah. it, and then go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm just saying. Oh, I stole that line. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, because in the beginning, what was the thing they were saying? You don't get it just because you get it on you. It has to enter you, into you. So that's through any of the many orifices on your body. Through orifices, that's a big word. Yeah, let's leave, let's leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! You know, that's what they say. So, in other words, don't rub your eyes if you just wipe your whatever. Yeah. You know? Okay. <laughs> but but okay. In all actuality, guys, as humans, we can't help but touch our face. We can't help it. So uh, you can try your hardest and you can do the best that you can, but you always find, especially if you have a mask on, you always yeah. finding a way to touch yourself and get it ooh, too close. I like the door handle thing. I think we should keep them forever. That's fine if that's and, and I don't I don't have a problem with that and I'm, and I'm sure nobody else. Right. Sure a lot of people don't have a problem with that, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's your choice. But again, don't want to be too political. Don't mandate it on me because of your phobia. Yeah. I mean, basically all your we've preference. Done, your, pre <laughs> your preference. Basically, all we've done is given the the, the germaphobes. Uh, uh, fuel, fuel, fuel. credence. Yeah. Hey, yeah. All those people in China wore a mask 15 years before this happened, and it went through them like wildfire. So, what's the mask actually doing for you? It's not. The, what, about, what about those uh, people that wear burkas? I mean, they've they've always had something over their face. Yes. <laughs> it's like, and they're dropping too. You know, it's all about the same thing your mom and dad taught you. Wash your damn hands. Keep a little distance between you. Hell, we were kids. We got chicken pox. They had a family reunion. Bring them all in and give it all to them so it's over with. Yeah, herd, yeah, herd immunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mumps, yeah. everything. Exactly. When they start testing people for antibodies, they're going to find most of us have antibodies already because right. we've already had it. Yeah, you can That's go get the test right now. Like, I'm curious. I want to know. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure my husband had it in January. Uh, he, you know, everybody talks about that, but he had a terrible cold in January, a terrible cough, a few days of, of like some real fever like. I mean, every every symptom that they talk about, he had yeah. in January. So I'd like to see if we have antibiotic, antibiotics or not. I think my wife and I had it long before it hit, like two months before it even yeah, was same, talked same, about. Same, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. yeah, I think even Dennis Staten. Remember when Dennis Staten was going through that bout for a month? Yeah. Judy you know, and I think the same thing. February-ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Nothing for me. I've been fine. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have any issues either, but maybe I'm one of the people that just, you know, carried or got the antibodies, and you know, and the only way to find out is to get tested. Had no it. symptoms. Uh, you'd be like my daughter got yeah. tested for they said she is positive she quarantined for 14 days went back tested negative yeah huh. oh yeah let's not forget that these tests weren't 100 percent anyway no, they don't tell you that, that don't forget about that <laughs> yeah yeah the tests are 100 proof that'll keep you from worrying about it <laughs>
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, David Villa said he caught gold fever. Yeah, that's, that's quite a contagious virus thing. right there. See right. the fan prospecting saying in the chat there right now? He knows it. Yeah. Something important happening? <laughs> no difference whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, the queen is entering. Put all, put all your turn all your notifications off, Dano. Uh, usually people don't call me, so you know. <laughs> yeah, usually you hear geese. Yeah, usually hear the quack of the duck because someone's texting me. Right, right, <laughs> right, KP. Gold fever is more contagious. Well, no. And there is no cure. It's very contagious. The, the bit is very contagious. It's contagious. You can't deny that. It's just not the, uh, the, the, the uh, it's not as bad as what the media says it is. It's not, it's a, it's a media induced hysteria. Panic, yeah. Yeah, they started out saying like one out of ten people are gonna die. <laughs> yeah, right. Now it's less than less than point zero zero one percent. Right. It's so only it's like uh, you you have ninety nine point eight percent a chance of recovering fine. So yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> it's Big Brother trying to see how far they can push. Either wing. I don't care what damn wing you're in. This is, a, this is only a test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to see what we can do next time when something else comes up. Yeah. Well, pirate prospecting, I'm happy to hear that. No vaccine for gold fever. That's no. right. No, no vaccine whatsoever. No, no. There's... You can relieve the symptoms by getting so tired lifting rocks and buckets, but you can't get rid of it. No, no. Absolutely. It's there. Once you get it, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, here in Oklahoma, we don't have a whole lot of um, gold here. We got, I think there's like seven pieces and I got like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, lately what I've been doing, I've just been, been working uh, in the, uh, my gold room. One of my houses is a gold room. I got like four houses. And uh Hey, you know, <laughs> why, figure, why figure out what you're going to uh, do in your house when you can just go to a different house and do all you want? So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the only way that I could hijack the kitchen, you know, for the water and everything is just get another house. But um, I'm in there with, uh, you know, tons of uh, material from all over the world. Um, um, I get people sending me material to analyze to see what would be the best uh, way to. Um, process it, you know, whether it's uh, with water, with chemicals, you know, whatever. Um, so I, I've been, uh, I've been scratching my itch from the fever um, with uh, vicariously through uh, other people's dirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. At least you got um, something to play with. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. We got, um, we got some uh, material that came in that, uh, in uh, a gallon of material, there was uh, three ounces of gold in it. Wow. And uh, 
the guy said, well, there's probably a gram or two in there. And I said, a gram or two? I said, there's about three ounces. And he goes, ho, ho, I don't think so. Like, I'll send it back to you so you can see it. He says, no, just keep it. Oh. It's like, deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, right. Give him my address. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know the the worst part the worst part about doing other people's uh material though the worst part about it is when they give you some material they're convinced they're rich they got all kinds of stuff and it's gold colored pyrite or mica or or something that's just not gold and you just got to break it to them hard because they're not gonna if you're just being nice about it they're gonna think you're trying to talk them out of material or, or other gold but you right. got to break it to them. You know, it's not, you, you're telling me this stuff won't sink and you can't pan it. Well, it won't sink because it's not heavy and it's not heavy because it's not gold. You know, right. gold only acts like gold. So, uh, um, you know, they, they, I, I think I know when I first started, <clears throat> I mistook sparkly for shiny, you know, there being a difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, sparkly, it's, that's usually your mica, and, but shiny is a different look. And yeah, some people. Yeah, a lot of the shiny ahead. happens because of uh, reflection, and the reflection right. creates the color, and that's why they say, you know, put it in shadow, and when you, when you set it underneath a, a, a shadow, then um, if the if the color goes away, then it's not the color of gold. It's the color of the reflection. Right. So um, that's why right. the uh, that's why that works so well by putting it in the shadow. Um, but the um, um, some people never never get it. No, you know? no I tell you, the hardest people to convince that they don't have real gold are the people that have been locked out of dredging because of the. Uh, the eco-Nazis and the, all the money they got going to the government. Um, right. But they, they get locked out of dredging and now they got to do, you know, something else, whether it's a, a sluice box or um, a high banker or just panning, uh, whatever the case may be, the uh, uh, they're doing something else that's not allowing that glitter to get washed away. Where in the dredging area, the glitter gets gone. And now they've got, um, yeah, now it's in their material. So they think they're catching really fine gold. And um, that's just not the case. And it's hard to, hard to convince them of that. Um, right. I, I, I actually don't try to convince people. <clears throat> what I tell them is, look, the best, especially some of these people online, I just said, look, the best thing you can do is find a local gold club. Join them for a year. Learn all you can in that year. And if you want, if you enjoy being with them, you know, stay with them, whatever. But join a club. Even if it's just to learn at first. I tell, gives you, you know. Yeah, I tell all the new people that. In fact, I'm the president of the GPAA club here in Oklahoma. And any of the new people that come in, you know, there's no cost to be part of the GPAA local club. There's no cost. Um, there's a, there's a cost to be a voting member. Uh, you got to be part of the GPAA. So there's an annual cost, you know, around a hundred bucks or whatever. I think but, it's 139. So I looked that up after I made my video about clubs and prospecting for the greenhorn. 
Um, I said somewhere around a hundred, but it's yeah, I I I had heard it gone over a hundred bucks, but uh, so I just I just rounded it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but 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 the bottom line is to be part of an organization, uh, a part of a club in the GPAA, there are no dues. Um, in order to be a voting member, then you have to be a GPAA active member, and that membership is 139, and renewal is a little less than that, but a brand new member is 139, whatever. But, um, but that's exactly the, the um, advice that I give a new person. They say, what do I need to buy? What do I need to buy? Nothing. Don't buy anything except a pan, and if you join GPAA, you get a pan in your kit. You need to learn how to pan. You need to go out with a club. You need to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and start trying it yourself. Um, if they've got equipment, put in some elbow grease into there, put in some time, and uh, see if that's the type of equipment you want. Or maybe you don't want to be splashing around in the mud, and all you want to do is metal detect. Those are the things you need to find out before right. you spend money. Yep. So a, a club is a fantastic advice. Oh yeah, yes. and no need to go out and when when me and Daryl Grimbley at Pay Streak Enterprises in Washington, Mike, there'd be people come in like, I wanna buy a dredge. Well, how long have you been prospecting? Oh, I just started, I found little gold up, blah blah, <laughs> you know, whatever creek it was. I'm getting, I, I know I can get rich and I'm like, whoa, you, why don't you just work with your pants? How about the sluice? Here's a really nice sluice box if you want to go in more. And they're like, no, order it. And so, okay. And then, yeah, there's a, then a lot of guys like, out there. They'll ask, can I make a living with, uh, with gold prospecting? And I said, well, sure, anybody can make a living with it but you're going to have to lower your standard of living. And, you know, things like fuel for your vehicle or a vehicle itself, or even cell phone service, that might be a little out of your budget, but you could live on just gold. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a lot of hard work, you know. Right, right. Well, right, you, you know, spend all day working. And hard not, work or real freaking lucky. Real. Yeah, I think in the um, I've, I've been mining for 13 years now. I was just th thinking about that. And in those 13 years, I've probably had four days that paid for the trip. OK, there's only four trips that had a day that that had enough gold to pay for where I was. Right. So so all those other times that I've been out, um, those trips didn't pay for themselves. I mean, if, if it's going to be a business, you've got to make it pay for itself if it's going to be fun then like a hobby i mean you, hobbies cost money you just have to understand that you're not out to make money you're out hobby. to have fun right and if i, you, I you, would never think i'd hear that coming from your mouth why not it's a lifestyle mike it's a lifestyle it ain't no flipping hobby it's a lifestyle there's a lot of different levels. There's uh, there's people that all they want to do is order pay dirt and pan it. Is that oh, the lifestyle? Yeah. No, no, that's a armchair prospector. Okay, and then you've got the guy that goes out once or twice a year, and and goes out and has fun. So that's 
is that a lifestyle or is that a hobby? No, yeah, okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? It, there's different levels of doing it. If yeah. your intention is to make money, you better be serious and go after it like you want to make money. I, I guess I, I kind of have like a Shannon Poe mentality with it. Sure, sure. I, yeah, once being I, from the West, you know, sure. I've had claims in Washington and Cal Northern California and yeah, I didn't use the R word. I didn't say recreation, but honestly. Right, right, right. Okay, think think about this. And I've told Shannon and I've told other people this. Um, where does a big league baseball player get started? The minor leagues. What about before that? High school. Friends, yeah. Elementary the school, the no, street. They take a lawnmower out in the field next door and, and make up make some bases and throw some hubcaps down and they just go have fun. Right, right. But then they find out that there's something more to it and they want to advance. Or they find out there's nothing more to it and they don't want to advance and they go into chicken raising or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's every, no matter what, has got an entry level. And if you disrespect or dis disregard the entry level you've lost everything else so when people are saying mining is a right it is not a privilege and that is true it is a right that was granted by the federal government and we're yeah. protected as miners in those areas that we mine as a right right but what about the people who want to have fun go to knoxbury farm it's not a right to go pan. Hell no, you got to go pay for that bag. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so bag. It he, ain't even a bag. You scoop one pan in the yeah, dirt. Yeah. So, so you can't just say it's all one and not the other. Because as soon as you do that, you're, you're just, you're casting away the entry level. And we okay. are not getting younger. We have to have new people coming in to replace us. True, true. You, and if you we're not going if, ahead, if you're yeah if you're knocking their feet out from underneath them from the beginning and throwing mining rights and and all this stuff and say they can't have fun they can't recreate they can't have a hobby they can't just go go play then you're you're discouraging the entry level you're discouraging a very large group of people that could help the industry of mining right i i see your points and in the way I, I figure the way Shannon and a lot of Westerners use it, it's a play on words. I think Shannon uses it as a, a legal term. It is. More, it's, yeah, more than anything else. Because in the courts of California, in the courts of California, Jesse, recreational miners don't have the same rights under the 1872 Mining Act. As well, that's, and that's so simple in the courts to separate. You can just say someone said, "Well, recreational mining out." It was like, wait a minute, we're here for the federal mining laws. We're here for the the laws that pertain to miners, small scale, large scale. We're talking about miners. We're not talking mm. about people on the playground. So get your book straight, and let's talk about what we're here to talk about. So they can they can not use the recreational mining as a bad term they can keep it as something that that's not what they're talking about right and, they, and as and as soon as they do that any of the fire any of the power 
that the, our opponents are trying to throw at us as, by saying the word recreational, then is totally dis disregarded. It's, it totally disarms that word, and they can they can feel foolish on their camp, not on our camp, because right. we know what we're talking about, and they need to come up to speed, not us. Right. So, right. Yeah. So I, I just refer myself it. as a prospector, a small scale miner and as a lifestyle because yes. like uh david says uh prospecting is like owning horses you may not ride them every day but you feed them every day right right <laughs> well it's just like prospecting and mining okay every prospector is not going to be a miner but every miner is going to be a prospector yep yeah Okay, so that again, that's are you having fun or are you doing it for a living? And you got to make that choice. And those are the rules that you have to follow. Well, I have fun, but I want to try and break as even as possible every time I'm out. Hey, I have fun every time I go out mining. And I consider myself more of a miner than recreation. I right. I'm more than a hobby. When I go out there, even though I'm not a successful miner every time I go out, <laughs> who is i work i work as if i'm going to be <laughs> even the big dogs true even the oh, yeah. big dogs have their very lean days yeah where... mining is nothing more than cutting a big hole and throwing all your money in it <laughs> right right <laughs> oh that has more truth to it than anyone knows huh Mom? right right break out another thousand that's right. Yeah, if you want to make a million dollars in mining, start with two million. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lot of cliche terms out there, but uh, but yeah, I I, I have fun um, with uh, with the the mining politics. I, I don't say I have too not a whole lot of fun. I mean, I don't get real deep into it. I'm not up on up front, but um, you know, just like what we're just talking about right here, I've. The, the things that people think about and the way that they think about us, if they can think about us more as a friendly group, instead of we're out to kill somebody who calls us anything but a, a, a minor. Right, um, right. I've included a lot of people that were in opposition of mining in on what I'm doing as a friendly gesture. Come here, let me show you what I'm doing. And people love it. They said, well, I didn't think it was this. That's not what they told us. I right. mean, we, no, are, they we are the picked, stewards. They picture something like someone with a big monitor blasting down the mountain or totally raping it like, like a large, large-scale operation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and we're using 17,000 gallons of mercury to leach it out of the ground. There. You know, <laughs> right. There's a ton of... Uh, so, you know, we, we are the stewards of our profession. We are the stewards that have to go out and make sure that misinformation is cleaned up. And the best way to clean up misinformation is by example. So as long as you don't go out there and just be an a-hole about everything and, and pound pound your fist and say it's all right and and include them in and um, give them knowledge, give them acceptance, then they'll accept us back. So um, I just got uh, everybody's hey, hey, Drop your phone. 
I hate it when I do that. <laughs> that's, one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why we like to go do uh, Boy Scouts, teach them how to pan, you know, do demonstrations. And oh, yeah. People because that's where the future is. And the Absolutely. Biggest, and one of the biggest things that we talk about is the garbage that we pull and how what you see on TV as far as the mining shows, uh, how they don't tell you the whole story and what all is involved and what they're doing. They just show you the guys ripping up the ground and tearing it all up, digging holes all over the place, making a mess, moving all kinds of dirt, opening big swaths of land, but they don't show the reclamation involved. And well, they've done that. They've done that a couple of times. I've seen a couple of shows. And um, now on Bering Sea, I wish I, I wish the, more people could have been with me when I was with Steve Pomerenke. Um, We finished a cleanup at Steve Pomerenke's shack, and he says, "Well, let's let's um, <laughs> let's go fill the cooler with beer, and let me show you around where I've been mining." <laughs> so we're just beer, drinking and driving. <laughs> But um, so we went around and he showed me all the sites that he's been mining since he's been in the Nome area. And then he showed me some awards from the city where his reclamation went above and beyond um, what was expected. Um, some of his reclaimed areas have turned into a park. Some, some have turned into neighborhoods. Uh, some some of the places he says you see that right over there there's a 180 foot hole right there and i was like really it's just nothing but tundra i mean it is back to nature again it is amazing the reclamation that those guys do and it was oh yeah and it was fun we got into some places with his pickup that he ripped off the uh uh, front license plate of his wife's truck and then the next day i found it and took it back out before she found it <laughs> <laughs> Funny. um one second i'd like to thank a couple people for super chats uh madison maine oh yeah super chat thank you for the super chat we also have Heavy Meadow Detectives, thank you for the $5 super chat. Thank you. So, yeah, so that's one of the things that, that I, we stress with, uh, with the, the young generation, they're the kids, that what they see on TV is not all there is. There is reclamation, there's, you know, getting, the, uh, the, the, getting it back to where it was. Right. Uh, you guys have to pay for that. They pay for that. That's all part of the work, you know? You know yeah, most you... of that's a bond that they have to put up at the beginning. And right. they get their bond back once the reclamation's finished. Right, right. Yes, but they pay for it. I mean, it's upfront money. You know? Right, right. That's that's part of that. That's part of that first million. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep, that's that first million. Then, of course, then comes the rest of the stuff. Hey, what's up, Thomas, folks? Lucky Ducky Thomas, folks, how are you, buddy? Um, now, Mike, you you stay with the Pomerankies while you're up there, or do you have your own little bungalow? You well, you I've rent? stayed two different places. I've stayed at the Pomerankies. One project I was doing up there, I stayed with them for 18 days, and uh, the other times I go up there, I go with uh, the AKAU Lodge. And, oh, okay. um, and I've heard so some good play of themes about that place. 
it's a it's an amazing place um they've got um you know uh atv rentals they've got dredging they've got metal detecting they've got um you know high banking they've got this big they call it the slick plate but they just take a front end loader and they dump it onto the top of this slick plate and you just dissolve, you hydraulic, <laughs> you dissolve all of that material off of there down into a grizzly, down into a sluice box, and then you get your gold out. So it's, um, they, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, the, the muskox through there, the blueberries, the, the, the metal detecting. I mean, it, it is such an amazing thing. And they've got trips going everywhere all the time. Uh, we took a 26 mile trip back to these old waterfalls and an old oh, nice. um, mine and an old bucket line dredge way back in there that it just took forever to get back in there. But it was, the trip was amazing. There's river crossings and all kinds of crap. But um, yeah, it's, it, there's always something going on. And, um, and if you want to be part of it, you're part of it. If you want to just stay behind and, and play with dirt then stay behind and play with dirt, right. but uh, there's something for everybody. Cool. Um, there's a little fox that comes in and, and uh, like fishing. We, uh, we're, what, we've got fish heads and all the stuff that we feed them to the fox. And once in a while, if we, if we got something left over from uh, supper, we'll, uh, we'll feed those to the fox. And um, the fishing up there is amazing. Absolutely amazing. The, the silvers, the reds, you know, um, the kings. I mean, there's so much fish going on. Uh, inland, uh, I didn't get a chance to do it this year because the water was a little bit low. But they have a northern pike. They got a small northern pike is like 30 inches. They got 40, 50, 60 inch northern pike. Amazing. So that's uh, you know. So those are the types of things that uh, are available up there. But um, now, what's an out-of-state fishing license there? How much? Um, I don't know. Generally, I don't fish, so I haven't bought, <laughs> bought a license. <laughs> now, if if um, if the rivers would have been high enough to get the boats back where we wanted to go for the pike, then I would have found out. But uh, since the rivers were low when I was there, um, I, I didn't go in and do any pike fishing. So maybe some year I'll, I'll be able to get the pike fishing. But if you go on uh, the... I think uh, alaskagold.com or something like that. I can't remember the um, what it is. The uh, but anyway, they've got a lot of pictures on there, and some of the some of the pike that they show on there, they're just amazing. And pike are like a uh, freshwater shark. I mean, they got seven rows of teeth, and they're all pointed to their stomach. So, <laughs> uh, bad Bob has a question. Uh, hey, Mike, at Q Creek or Gold King Creek, which do you prefer? Okay, the AKAU, if you want, um, if you want access to civilization, um, you can go into Nome and, uh, there's restaurants, there's the, the beach walking, there's, um, grocery stores, uh, gas stations, I mean, if you want the ability to get someplace to buy something, if you can't get away from that, then it's AKA U Lodge because it's all available right there. Yeah. You've got, I mean, three miles out of town and um, civilization says we're behind you and then you're off into the wild. Right. Um, all, all of that's right there at AKA U. They're, uh, they've got a great lodge. They've got uh, great uh, 
bedding facilities. They, you know, everything there is amazing. The people are amazing. But AKAU, um, uh, unlike, um, well, I mean, uh, Gold King Creek, unlike AKAU, the only way to get into Gold King Creek um, was just to fly in. Now, I know Kib Cannon, he's the, uh, the owner of that. Um, they're talking about cutting the road. It's a 52-mile road across tundra and all that stuff. Um, they're talking about cutting the tundra to uh, be able to get to drive in there. It's going to help with their fuel supply and all this other stuff. But it would take all of a day to go 52 miles um, otherwise. So once they got the road cut in there, then you won't have to fly in. But every time that I've been there, um, we've had to fly in. And so fly in, fly out, and then when when you're in there, you're in there. Uh, there's there's if you need something special, you gotta wait till the next airplane comes in if you if you uh, if you ask for it before the airplane takes off. But um, but it's um, the gold, just the the raw native gold there in um, Gold King Creek um, is bigger than the raw gold there at AKAU. Um, AKAU, uh, the nuggets, the nuggets are bigger than what we found at Gold King Creek, but we found as far as the weight of gold, you'll probably get more weight in gold at Gold King Creek than you will at AKAU, uh, unless you get into a really good pocket and you really work your tail off. Um, but some people, when they go to these uh, places, they want to go in and I want to get gold. I want to get gold. I want to have enough gold to pay for my trip. This cost me um, thousands of dollars, yada, yada, yada. You know, if you're so focused on the gold, you're going to miss a lot of other stuff. You're going to miss some of the history in the area. You're going to miss some of the old sites. You're going to miss uh, nature. You're going to miss adventures. You're going to miss a lot if you got your head down just looking for gold. So, be able to afford wherever you're going to go, whether it's Gold King Creek or AKAU. Be able to afford it first and then make the gold a bonus because you may get enough to pay for your trip. I mean, I did this year, but, um, but that doesn't always happen. And don't plan on it happening. And if it doesn't happen, <laughs> don't think it's a failure. Now, if, if, dredging, if dredging is your thing, the dredge camp up by Chicken, Alaska, it's north of Chicken, Alaska on the 40 mile, south fork of the 40 mile. Um, Matt and Ginger Fontes has the gold fever uh, prospecting adventures up there. And um, the only way you can get into there is by a hovercraft. So they take a hovercraft up the river 26 miles and um, and then you're, you're sleeping in a hooch, uh, a plastic roof. Um, you got uh, plywood sides. I mean, you're sleeping in a hooch and everybody comes together to one place to eat like they do on all the, all the, um, all the camps. I hear but it's the, fairly uh, comfortable there. I think Shad and Kathleen been there a couple of times. Yeah, it is very comfortable. And you feel so much like you're part of the family. In fact, every single place that I've gone to AKAU, Gold King Creek, and the, the Gold Fever um, up there with Matt and Ginger. Everybody makes you feel so welcome. It is just amazing. Now, um, last year 
at uh, the uh, Gold Fever camp, um, I got there the day before my birthday. I got there September 11th. So we were the last group that was there for the year. <laughs> we were looking out over the river and here comes this big moose. One of the guys in our group had a moose tag and Matt says, you got a tag, right? He goes, yeah. He says, you want this moose? And he goes, you're going to be able to get it out on your boat? And he goes, no problem. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, uh, we opened it up that night. And then the next day, we went out there and uh, dressed it out and, and put uh, the meat in game bags and everything. So here I am just tearing into this monster meat producing moose on my birthday. Happy birthday to me. <laughs> That's the first birthday I've been up to my elbows in blood. <laughs> oh my God, we had moose everything, everything from moose omelets to <laughs> moose steaks to everything for the rest of the time that we were there. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. We had nine game bags full of meat. The rack was fifty-seven and a half inches wide. Um, big, big moose, probably about 1300 pound on the hoof. So it was, uh, it was, it was quite an adventure and we got, uh, yeah, I know it. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rocky. But, um, the, uh, the gold dredging there was amazing. Um, fine gold and some chunkier gold. I did some metal detecting while I was there, but I didn't find any nuggets. So. Uh, don't plan on nuggets when you get to uh, the gold fever camp, um, but do plan on a lot of fine gold, and there's a lot of it there, and they will put you on a dredge and put you on some gold, and the harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> That's pretty much any time with prospecting or our size of mile or a small scale mining the more the more sweat equity you put into it the more material you move or the best better quality of material you move right. the chances of having better gold recovery well and it all goes down to prospecting too i mean prospecting is looking for gold mining is getting it Okay. Right. So, right. So what I like when I'm doing my seminars at the GPAA uh, shows, um, I, I one of the things that I tell people, I got tons of rules that I try to teach them. But one of the rules is when you get to a new place, spend 10 percent of the time you have available just looking for gold, because you may find four pieces of gold in your first pan. You, you figure, hey, this is going to be a great day. I've never done this good. But. I look around for 10% of my time. So if I'm gonna be there a day, I figure 10 hours, I'm gonna look for gold for an hour before I even get any piece of equipment out. Well, and, yeah, um, you just don't wanna throw it there and not do a, any sampling at all. Right, exactly, you have to sample. And you gotta sample, like I said, 10% of your time because this one particular place up in uh, Rye, Arizona, I got four pieces of gold in one pan. And I figured, hey, you know, that's probably the best pan I've ever had. I was just, you know, new to the new to the game. But um, but I, I had heard someone say, make sure you prospect. And I just came up with 10%. And uh, I said, by golly, I'm going to follow that rule. I made the rule I'm going to follow. Oh, so sorry. I went around 
and I went around and um, I got scan, uh, skunked a couple of pans, and then I found a pan that had 20 pieces of gold in it. I was like, holy crap. So, but I was only about 20 minutes into my hour, and I said, well, I'm going to keep looking. So I put a bunch of markers where that place was, and I kept looking, and I found a place that had 60 pieces of gold in one pan. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And I still had time left. So I said, uh, I'm just going to keep looking. And uh, so I went, instead of going up the river, then I started going down the river because I was starting to get a little too far away from the refrigerator. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, I actually found a place that had over 200 pieces of gold in the pan. Now, just because you're finding gold doesn't mean you just get to work. You just, you know, take your dump truck of all the material that you pulled out of your shed and throw it in there. What you have to do is you have to um, analyze what you just found. If you found big, chunky pieces, then just about any piece of machinery is going to work. If you found really fine gold and it's more three-dimensional, then again, just about any piece is going to work, but you're going to have to slow down a little bit. If you get into some gold that's small and the flat and it wants to kite, then um, use the gold cube. No, <laughs> use your machine that you've got, whether it's a sluice box or a cube or a high banker or whatever. Use that machine knowing that that gold is going to migrate because it, it's going to kite and do more often cleanups in order to eliminate or start fresh your gold back at the top of the, uh, uh, of, the of your machine. So your prospecting is not just finding the gold, your prospecting is also going to tell you how you're going to treat the gold that you found to get maximum collection. Okay, I'm okay. back. <laughs> Did you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay, all right. I was wondering, it's like, do I got to repeat all that? <laughs> uh, we, we were just letting your your fine gold recovery knowledge and your knowledge sinking at uh, 10% of your time. That ain't a bad rule, though. I like that rule as well. I, I, I think it's very great, great advice. Now, if you're going to be there like five days, um, split your 10% for that day because you may be at the end of the day, like prospecting is not just at the beginning of the day, okay? When anything changes in the hole, let's say you're starting to dig down. A lot of people think the deeper the hole, the bigger the gold. Eh, kind of, yes. If you're getting close to the bottom of where everything is, that's true. But if the bottom is 36 feet down, you're not going to get that deep. No, no. So then you have to look for layers. You're going to have to look for layers. And a lot of times that layer is usually within the first 10 inches. And uh, so when you, when you get a change in the size of the gravel, the change in the color of the gravel, you get a change, sample the change. Always keep sampling because you may go five feet farther than you need to go thinking that you're going to strike it rich and you've just wasted all your time. Uh, you could have you know, dug the same size hole four times to the right and, and but got four times more gold because you're still in that first area or the, the, the pay area that, you're, that you found the gold in the first place. So make sure you don't just quit um, sampling and you're, and you're going nuts on just trying to get as deep as you can because 
the gold may have outrun you from a million years ago, but for the last hundred years, that's all within your t first 10 inches or so. Focus on what you can get to in the time that you have allowed. If you've got an excavator, <laughs> don't go on that first 10 inches. You're <laughs> going to go down where the big stuff is. Okay? Right. But um, so that panning, the, the most important thing anybody can do is learn how to pan. You have to learn how to pan because as, as you've heard a million times, all mining starts with a pan and ends with a pan. But you're using the pan all the time during your working to make sure that you haven't gone too far or if you need to keep going farther to increase your gold pole. So um, the pan is your friend. Make sure you learn how to use it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Toledo, Jess, I feel like we got an echo in the room. Oh, yeah. Echo for me. Oh, it's I'm an echo so here. sorry. Toledo, Jess always says, Practice your panning. Practice your panning. Learn practice your tools. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Practice, practice, practice. And I, I always use the term, it begins with a pan and it ends with a pan. That's right. That's right. I, I missed the cue, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just had, I don't know, for some reason, all my internet in the house just died. That's well, you're back now. Yeah. yeah, I just got back. I was gone for a little while. I missed most of that story, so I have to listen yeah, to it over again. That's all right. A lot of information, a lot of, uh, a, lot sure. of a lot of education. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, he did make it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that prospecting with a pan um, is good, and then um, there's a lot of people out there that will do like if you're getting into some bigger stuff if you're going to be a small scale miner or a medium or large scale miner you've got to have ways to test like if you're a big guy then you're gonna go let's do a thousand yard test <laughs> there's, people, there's some people who go, won't go through a thousand yards in their lifetime <laughs> but um i like using a four bucket test and that will tell me how much uh, gold is in a yard. Right. And a four bucket test, there's about, there's a little over 40 five gallon buckets in a cubic yard. So is that, is that, well, let me ask you first, is that a classified bucket or just a raw bucket dug in? Raw bucket. Okay. Yeah, yeah because when you, you're, you're dealing with what you're going to be shoveling, what you're starting right. with. Right. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Like what, if you're on, let's say if you're on a beach or something like that, that's raw and classified. That's just all, that's all there is. <laughs> but if you're dealing with big, heavy gravels and um, let's say only 25% is going through a half inch, then, um, then that's going to be the, uh, um, you, you'll be able to use those numbers to figure, is this ground that I have available to me um, going to produce in a way I want it to produce? So um, I use a four bucket test because there's about 40 buckets in a cubic yard. So whatever my results are in a four bucket test, I just, you know, multiply it by 10. I just add a zero. And um, in that way, uh, um, it tells me how much gold I have per, per yard. And uh, uh, that's always been a real good, good thing to do. Now, if you've got a, uh, a big pile that you're working, let's say you, you come up on an old tailing pile or something like that, 
don't look for the best looking stuff. Um, figure out how many steps there are around your pile. Figure out every three paces I'm going to take a sample. Um, one of the best ways of taking a sample of a tailing pile or a or what they all, what they call a working pile because not all piles out there are tailing piles. Some of them are working piles. Um, they've this is what they worked to get to where they were going. So there may or may not be ore in there. And if there is ore, it was um, weak enough that they didn't feel it was good enough to set up and run it. So they just keep going. But there's sometimes there's some good stuff in there. So when you do random sampling of a pile um, all around the outside, I actually like using a pipe. Um, I'll drive a four or five foot pipe into a side of a pile and pull it out. It's kind of like a core sample and then dump that pipe into a bucket because that's going to get that's going to get a sample inside the pile that nobody else has been in and it's also going to get you past um, any dirt erosion and concentrating that may increase your value expectancy on the outside of the pile but that won't happen on the inside of the pile so you'll get a more realistic idea of what's going on inside the pile um, and if you want to deal with it or is like well it looks like fun but it's it's going to be more work than it's worth i mean you need to get you need to figure that out so random sampling is uh the best way to do those four bucket tests um so don't just go for the hot streaks don't hydrate it because you're kicking yourself in the butt when you do that you're not going to get the results at the end of the day that you put down on a piece of paper when you're doing your gazintas <laughs> and uh and and making your decision to uh, to work that area or pile, so um, be as be as random as possible. Hear that, everybody! Listen to this wise man, uh, <laughs> blue-footed booby ass. Uh, Mike, ever toyed with the idea of making a smaller version of the gold cube? Yes, I have. Um, we've talked about it a couple times in the past. I've had the idea for a long time. Um, in fact, I just brought it up to a uh, um, uh, good friend and uh, co-worker here, Cash Best. Uh, brought it up to him the other day that I really need to get the, uh, the smaller version out. And I've, I've got some drawings. I've got some plans built up. Um, I, I just hadn't it hadn't come high enough to the top to make me want to jump. Um, it's, it'll fit inside of a bucket and I actually hmm. call it a bucket cube. Um, and the, and the bucket itself becomes the, uh, um, the stand. And, uh, so there's, um, it's going to have its own classifier on top and everything. I mean, it's just basically a sampling cube and the mats are actually removable in it. Um, so that's the drawing, but uh, it hasn't come to real life yet. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, I'd be willing to test it for you. <laughs> well, I'm going to need some beta testers. <laughs> there you go. You you can sign me up. Yeah, then you. Address. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah, then I'll get uh, people throwing uh, dream mats in it, and miracle mats, and. <laughs> <laughs> and soft tooth mats and everybody want to put their all their different mats in it and it'll be um easy to do because uh the the mats will slide in and out from the side so and and you know how we are mike all of us we're all tinkers to one degree or another 
I so, call us all garage monkeys. <laughs> well, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can definitely relate to that. You yeah, know. yeah. Yeah, I just like the banjo pan. Um, I think it was funny when uh, people started using the banjo pan as a little cleanup sluice. I think you, I think Ed, I think you were the very first one that ever did that. Well, I did that during beta test because when, by know. the time I got it, it, it was bad winter here the, that year. And like yeah, my yeah. areas were like all frozen and it's right. 41 below. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, here I am in my shop. Yeah. Uh, I and doing the drawer motion with it, you know, I, I'd be getting water. Yeah, you're gonna get wet, as our buddy Jeff would say. But I, I talked to him this morning. <laughs> He's a great guy. Lilith, yeah, I think I woke him up. He was pretty groggy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um. Yeah, it works great. I love it as a cleanup sluice in the shed, a small recirculating system. Just... Right, right. Well, there's um, I've seen some uh, some people that have used two or three of them in a row, and the zigzag back and forth like a sluice does, and uh, yeah. David, or, uh, like a zigzag sluice or a gold cube or whatever, and um, you know, I've seen them do that, um, and when you've when you use them that way, then other mats work pretty good. But if you use it the way it was designed with that, uh, you know, the open and closing the drawer, the sock drawer. Right. Um, uh, if you use it like that, then you've got to have a mat that's got side to side catch as well as uh, up and down catch. So the, um, the vortex mat is probably the best you can put in there if you're going to use it as a pan. Now, if you use it as a sluice box, then other stuff is, is, is going to be, um, uh, it's going to be usable as well. But the, the thing that I really like to do with the banjo pan is um, I've, I've got a video out there called um, uh, production mode uh, banjo pan. All right. So basically what production mode is, and if you go to our website, goldcube.net, and you go into the videos and you look at the banjo pan videos and see the production panning, we were just messing around making the video, but afterwards, I timed how long it took me to go through one pan to the next. And, and in most cases, it was about 10 seconds from one pan to the next. So production mode is you take and you fill up a bucket with water. And somebody's got a shovel and the other guy's got the banjo pan until he gets tired then you sweat you know you switch out but um you, you take and, and you just just forwards and backwards with the uh with the banjo pan and um and 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 as you're as you're forwards and backwards then then you just then you tip as you're doing it so you just keep moving 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 and then all the concentrates you've got a little drop zone in there for your nuggets and then the the concentrates the fine gold since everything is being shook and elutriated, the gold's going to stick into the, into the mat. Um, and that's why like a regular mat don't work because all you're doing is shifting back and forth until you lose everything. <laughs> so you got to have the, you know, the, the, the lateral as well as the vertical. Um, right. So anyway, so once you've got it down to concentrates, you just grab a hold of the pan part of the banjo pan and stab the sluice box part of it into a bucket 
swirl it around like you're 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 just doing doing your laundry and just get it all cleaned out in a couple of seconds and you just pull it right back out without mo removing the mat you leave the mat right in there and you got another shovel load i mean i can go through a whole bucket in less than two minutes all right and the accuracy is like high 90s as long as you've as long as you feel comfortable about what you're doing i mean you can't if you slow down with it then the material is going to lock up if your material locks up then you're going to pour your gold off the top it's like right. panning right. if your material's not loosened up if it's not elutriated the gold's not going to act heavy and go down so you got to make sure you're you're aggressive with it and yeah you're going to get wet <laughs> <laughs> but that's the that's the joy of it is um, is you're going to be going through a lot of material think about these parks and places that they don't allow you to have a sluice box. They don't allow you to have battery operated stuff. They don't allow right. any of hands stuff. and pans on hands and pans. That's right. So you got um, one guy with a banjo pan and a bucket and you've got another guy giving you dirt. And um, so you're shaking it, making concentrate, putting it in the bucket and you're doing that every 10 seconds. How much good concentrates do you think you're bringing home that way? Now, if you just use a regular pan and you're getting it down to gold and then you snuffer up your gold, you've probably wasted, if you're really good, you've, you've probably put about 30 to 45 seconds in there. If you're really good, most people it's going to take them um, from two minutes to 10 minutes to get down to the point where they can snuffer up gold. You're burning daylight. You're not going through the material and you're not going to have as much gold as you could potentially have if you're able to accurately rip through that material. So the, the banjo pan, exactly the way it is stocked, not using it like a sluice box. Right, I follow it, you. Yeah, using it stocked. It's gonna, you're gonna be able to go out and prospect um, and have that in your, in, your, in your pan. You can go through like, so I wanna do a, a, I wanna see how much gold's in a, in a bucket. Well, two minutes later, you got your answer. And you bring it all down into concentrates and, uh, and then you probably will have another pan with you, or you can use the banjo pan. I mean, it still does pan like a, like a regular pan. It's uh, just a bigger pan is better. I mean, you got to right. use the right tool for the job. Right. And in this case, the banjo pan for making concentrates um, is going to be the best way for you to come out of an area um, that you can't use regular equipment with. You're going to come out of there with more concentrates and more gold in less time. So um, right tool for the right job. I've kind of used it the same way like that. And I've seen the video where you talked about the production mode, you know. Uh -huh. uh, so, and if anyone wants to watch a real good fine gold recovery videos uh, at goldcube.net, um, there's a good what is it small gold university or fine gold yeah, recovery it, university right go into uh go into the video section and go to gold cube university and in gold cube university you're going to see a uh one is the fine gold challenge okay so in the fine gold challenge i i show you a lot of concepts i show you um, magnetic um, sand removal. I show you um, certain things you can do with a snuffer bottle to help you out, some little snuffer etiquette. Um, and um, I, I explain 
um, how to uh, break down your material into, into uh, like sizes. Um, it's another thing I, ha I, I tell people in my uh, seminars. I said, it's the golden rule. Everybody know what the golden rule, rule is? And they go, oh, do unto others? No, no, the other one. The golden rule is if everything in your pan is the same size, then gold rules. So you got to classify down to the point where your material is so close to the same size that the largest piece of garbage is lighter than your smallest piece of gold and then gold wins. So you don't have right. to worry about more pressure taking your garbage out of the way that you could flush your gold out. And so like I, importance. I've heard you say it a hundred times, if not more, uh, classification, classification is the key to fine gold recovery. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause when I classify all the way down to minus 400, um, I can pan 400 down to a thousand mesh and get a big line that you couldn't even see any gold that was in there. So it's all has to do gold is gold. It has a certain weight. Right. And, and if it's not fighting something bigger and heavier, then it wins. So, um, 400 mesh pans out just like nuggets do. You just got to make sure you prepare your material right first. Preparation. Uh, so you've been going to Nome, back to Nome. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to give up that place. <laughs> uh, you've been going there now for quite a few seasons. Yeah, I go there at least once a year and sometimes twice. How long have you been doing that now? About six years. My first time, my first time to Alaska was in 2007. And uh, it took me 10 years to make it back there. But um, um, let's see. No, it was less than 10 years. Them trips ain't cheap. No, no, they're not. They're not cheap. But most of the time, uh, most of the time I drive. Uh, I drive, I sleep, I sleep in the back of my truck. I mean, uh, I, I, I go on the cheap, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I've got all the same size totes in the back of my pickup and I got two boards that spread out over top of that and they fold up mattress that uh, uh, it's memory foam and everything that folds up into thirds. It's uh, four inches of memory foam. And um, now the wife yeah. and I will spread out some sleeping bags and I got it, I've got a tent that I set up when it's time to go, you know, time to go to sleep. I, I set up my tent outside the truck and everything that was on top of the bed goes in the tent. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if people want to mess with the truck because they think I'm in the tent sleeping. <laughs> they're getting it backwards. <laughs> you, you don't take your van with you? That... Oh, oh, the shuttle bus? Your shuttle bus? <laughs> or is that just your gold show rig? It's pretty much just the gold. It's just for being able to hold a lot of stock at once. Um, I imagine the shuttle bus would do just fine. It's a, it's a 1999 uh, E350 with uh, two-ton shocks on it. Um, but the uh, it's got a uh, Triton V10 gasoline engine in it. So that, exp that, that uh, Canadian uh, fuel paid by a liter, <laughs> it's, it gets a little expensive. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I, I've seen some nice re, rebuilds of those shuttle buses into RVs and stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could do that. But uh, the most important thing with that shuttle bus is being able to put a lot of... Uh, well, a lot of inventory in it. That's Absolutely. When I saw you, last time I saw you, and we went out to your van, yep. and was it Indy or... I think it was Indy. Yeah, Indianapolis. I think that was the last time was Indianapolis. Yeah, last year was canceled. Canceled, right. Or this. Yeah, else we could have gone to, was it? Columbus. Columbus, yeah. Yeah, it was a shame. I was really looking forward to seeing everybody on the trip and getting to go play out in the dirt in everybody else's backyard. Yeah, I, I was going to touch on it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you miss being on the road and stuff, huh? Oh, or yeah. the show it's, circuit. That's that's almost as bad a fever as gold fever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's we common. have a lot of fun, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, in fact, this year I almost didn't go to, to Nome. And uh, finally, I, I said, well, let me see what I can do here. And I, I had some miles that I had to use them or lose them on my airplane tickets. And I was like, there's enough to make it to Nome. I guess I'm going to Nome. There <laughs> so you go. Made it to Nome for $11.20. I, I think it was the one at Springfield, Ohio. Springfield? Yeah. Okay. Emily Rydell was there. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's a funny girl. She was a lot different than I was expecting. Now, this year up in Nome, Emily came out to the camp there, AKAU, and someone talked her into singing her opera. Oh. Well, she sang Ave Maria and a couple other things. Oh, my God, that woman has some pipes. I've heard her sing. She's got some she's she's got got YouTube YouTube channels. Yeah. Yeah, she's got yeah. YouTube she's got channel for singing. Uh -huh. yeah, I thought... I didn't think the windows were going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she filled the room. That's for darn sure. But uh, yeah, and then I had a chance to talk to Steve, her 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 uh, her dad. Yeah, Steve Rydell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve. Uh, he's an interesting character. He talked everything from things he's done when he used to work for FedEx and a lot of stuff for the kids growing up. So. Uh, I got, another, I got Bernardo. a better understanding. <laughs> Burned out old hippie. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to feel like he was on TV because he's a different person. He is about the way he is. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case he watches this, he's a great guy. <laughs> Ray Russo says he's bad. Who crazy? There, there you go. Yeah, he's um, he's got some funny ways of doing things that he's not afraid to share. You made me don't turn my heat down. I'd run a stinking neck when I come up out of that water. That's for dang sure. Well, you know that was all staged, was it? Yeah. yeah in was. fact, in fact, um, Cash Best, that uh, my friend I was talking about, and uh, he he works in the Gold Cube with me. Um, Bo was the diver. That's his son. That's my 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 friend's son. And um, and Emily came up to 
Bo and says, hey, you know, we, we're going to have to do this. We have to throw some, some drama in here or else we're not going to get any airtime. And, and Bo is like, you promised me that we weren't going to do any drama. She says, all you got to do is pretend like you're getting cold. <laughs> but at no time was his heat turned off. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it's that added drama from the producers. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 TV. Right. That's TV. And if you want to get your 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 share of airtime, you gotta, you gotta give do something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise but, otherwise you're 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 um uh what's his name? Young. David Young. David Young. Is it David Young? The the uh, paraplegic dredger out there. That's that's George. George Young, yes. You don't give them enough drama, they don't show you very much. <laughs> no, that's for sure. That's for you sure. Know? Yeah, they gotta have their drama, otherwise your show's not worth it for them. That's that's yeah. the problem. It's not the producers, yeah. it's the viewers, guys. That, that's true. That's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, the, they they have to produce what the viewers want. That's that's, that's bottom right. line. It's like last year. Um, last year I was on the um, Dave Turns Lost Minds. Uh -huh. um, I, I I filmed up there with Dave Turn. That you know that big green bowl at the end of their sluice box. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's my other. That's my other company. No. Um, yeah. Gyrogold.com is that other company. What is that? It's a, a big center bowl. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it'll it'll handle about uh, about fifty yards an hour uh, through that thing, and it'll get gold. Um, just about everything that the gold cube can catch, that big bowl will catch. Cool. So, except um, that, uh, yeah, AU gold. Yeah, the um, the uh, bowl is designed for placer and not just hard rock, where most bowls are designed for hard rock um this bowl that uh that we have is uh, actually able to handle three quarters of an inch material and smaller so it'll handle some pretty big stuff but um when i was on the uh i filmed with uh, dave turn and uh, their whole crew of course i i've known casey uh you know the truck driver i've known casey and his wife veronica and and wyatt well you um, know v and yeah yeah, do you know when V when V found out she was pregnant with uh, Wyatt? Do you know who she called first? You? She called me. Really? <laughs> her, her dad didn't even know about it before I did. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in Las Vegas, and I told V, I said, V, you look like you're pregnant. And she goes, Yeah, right. Ha 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 ha. She got home, found out she was pregnant, and she goes like, <laughs> she, had, she had to call and tell me I was right. <laughs> Yeah, Casey seems like a really good man. So does Chris Taylor. We've yep. had them on the show. Right. Would love to get Dave Turin on, but you know. Ah, uh, you know, ask him. He may do it. But um, uh, if I've but asked when... him, he never responds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah, he I, may, I he may the... not. Yeah, he may not do these shows. Uh, I don't think I've seen him doing any of any of these shows at all. Yeah. But, you know, it would be kind of cool. I'd love to talk to him about, you know, what he does. Well, yeah. sometimes it's like Jeff Williams. I, I could message Jeff Williams a hundred times and no reply. So I messaged Lilla and then 
like she says something and then I get to talk to him. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. She's like the guard. Right, right. (laughs) She's the gatekeeper. You got to know the proper gatekeeper. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he took my call this morning naked, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you better put on some clothes. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, he was on uh, GPS uh, Sunday. Oh, is that right? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was on there climbing. He's yeah, always yeah. fun to have on. He's been on a couple times. Mm-hmm. And... Well, this year, um, this year I filmed with um, um, Gold Rush, the uh, the new guy, Fred, up there in uh, Oregon. Oh yeah, yeah, Fred, Fred Lewis. Um, so I was up there and I filmed with him for a week. So I don't know if I'm going to hit the cut room floor or not. But uh, um, they're using the gold cube to uh, supercon their uh, their their concentrates out of their out of their wash plant. So those guys, since they're just a bunch of uh, wounded warriors that uh, they weren't miners in their previous life. One of them was um, Caleb was, but. Uh, um, the rest of them had no idea. So I, I went up there and taught them how to pan and, and, uh, all the concepts and everything. So I had, uh, had fun up there. Oh, that'd be a That's good cool. show. Yeah. Oh, we'll see, you know, I'm, cause I'm a uh, retired air force. So, you know, I'm a vet. So, um, Real there you go. That. There you go. Yeah. Love that uh, group of those guys uh, on here, especially, especially greenhorns that are just yeah. starting out you know yeah that'd be awesome yep yeah so happen, mike. i'll snap my fingers yeah <laughs> you could whisper in dave turin's ear while you're at it yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i don't mind using you as a middleman there you go <laughs> yeah. i'll uh i'll see if um now dave um he may, he just may not do those things. I mean, he may not do it for any of them because then he thinks he may have to do all of them. Well, and this, the the thing that I tried to to impress on him when I when I went, when I was writing to him yeah. was that we don't want to talk about the show. You know, we don't want to talk about the show in, in particular. We want to talk about Dave Turn. We want Dave Turn to talk to us about Dave Turn. Or I want to learn about the 10% rule or, you know, I want to, I want to learn about how to prospect or any of it. I want knowledge, not, right. not drama. Right. right. Uh, Rose is brand new to prospecting, Mike. Uh, last June was the first time she ever panned. And she's never been the same since. No, I haven't. I've been hooked <laughs> on. I, these guys got me totally hooked. <laughs> Hey, in this in this industry, gold digger is a good word. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nikki from Nikki's process prospecting says, "I'm not a gold digger. I dig for gold." There you go. Yeah, I'm a gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> I dig dirt and hope to catch a little bit of gold. Right, right. Yeah, see, you like it to be contaminated with a little bit of gold. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, 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 in my mind, I can see that first piece of gold I ever found out in the wild. I mean, I can, I can, I can, in my mind, 
I, I know exactly what it looked like, you know. I don't have yeah. it anymore, but yeah, it definitely. And it yeah, I, thing. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it too. And I thought, wow, it's kind of neat how that uh, that gold shakes when you see it. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's me shaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was good that I had some practice because I went. To, I think I went to um, uh, Thermal City first, one of the first trips when I first started. Yeah, you know, so I got I got to learn what it looked like a little bit, uh, and how it acts, right? And how it acts, right? And what it looks like in the pan and stuff, especially the tiny stuff, right? You know, what is and what isn't uh, mica and stuff. Um, but when I found, and, and that was fun. It was cool. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. But it it wasn't like I, you know, I paid for a, a, a pile of dirt. You know, like, I might as well buy right. a bag, right? Uh, right, right. But it wasn't until I actually went out and found a piece that had never been found before. Yeah, you're the first one to lay his eyes on it. Yeah, that's what that's what triggered it for me, you know. Oh man, you know, and that was always in the back of my mind, you know. I'll be the first one to ever see it. Uh, I, well, I, I think I have a question here from the. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Blue footed booby says he has the adoption papers. <laughs> he's got to learn how to pull a sleigh if he wants to be part of my team <laughs> yeah with everything you have going on sounds fun <laughs> uh early on uh jason asked about feeding two cubes with one trommel um i saw that in there i just made a note of it um i think Kelly at Gold Fox actually made an adapter that fits two four-stack deluxes and one trommel that it all could be fed at one time. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, so just just so Jason's uh, question didn't go unanswered, I saw that early on and and just uh, made I a note it. of it. Yeah. I so yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So so Jason, the uh, uh, Gold Fox USA dot com um you can get 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 them there or gold fox usa on uh, facebook or whatever you can get a hold of them there and but, those uh, are the two brothers that work with fred hurt right well kelly no 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 kelly's up in uh in montana he's um he's actually the uh, uh gold fox actually makes the gold cube trommel right um it's the exact same um omni fox that he's got for sale, you know, for sluice boxes. Right. I I, I thought they were worked for on Gold Rush White Water for a little bit. No, that's a different company. Those guys are down in Texas. Oh, okay. That's, that's um, Henderson's. That's your last name. Um, I don't know. I hadn't followed them. I I knew they were there. I met them in Arizona um, right. at one of the shows. Um, and Fred was there, and they were there. So, um, okay. it was it was funny when Fred came up to my booth. I got a video of him operating the uh, the gold cube, and I walked up to him and says, "Fred, what the hell are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "That sounds like something I'd say to Dustin." 
<laughs> Hold on one second, please. Thank yep. you for uh, the super chat, Richard Davis. Oh, yeah, super chat. For the $50 super chat. Thank you very Richard, much. It's all right. You can be late. The only person that can't be late is Ert. Yeah. <laughs> Ronald, if you're late, you get demerits. Uh, <laughs> Richard, you can be as late as long as you want. But we do like seeing you here. So... Uh, thank you very much. Now, so where I, were we? Yeah, so I've well, got a question from Patrick Moore. Um, speaking of reclamation and getting the toxic out, I see Harold and Mike got together. Uh, what do you think of his operation? Harold and Mike. You? You? Um... Harold, I don't know what Harold. Engler? No. I don't know. I don't, I've, been hanging, I've been hanging on to that one. I don't know, Patrick. Help us that. out, buddy. <laughs> little, little Harold J. Lace Lasser. Lasser. Oh, Lasseter? Oh, J. J. Lesser, yeah. Yeah, oh, Lesser. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I've just always known him as J. Um, yeah, Jay out there in Colorado, he's got what's called a toll mill, and he's that's what he's putting together. And it's going to be a closed-loop system that nothing ever gets discharged back into nature again. So everything, um, everything's going to be recirculated, recycled, um, and then the uh, uh, he's going to take the ores from the uh, customers and grind them, separate them, and um, give them a super concentrate. Everything else that's left behind, he has buyers for either concrete um, companies or uh, some of the slurries that have um, some more of the uh, rare earth uh, metals in them. I think there's like 28 rare earth metals or 17 of them that you can find in Colorado. But um, those rare earth metals then are gonna be processed out of the slurry, so the muck that is mm -hmm. such a hard problem getting getting rid of, somebody wants it. So um, that's one of the cool things that they're doing right there. So when we went and saw go ahead. What do they do with it? What do they do when they process it? it, it once it gets down into a, a slime, a muck, yeah. um, it's broke down far enough that it's very easy for a, a chemical process to leach out um, individual rare earth metals. Um, there's there's probably going to be an, enough of the the super fine ground you know um, 1500 to 2000 mesh gold left in that muck that the uh, a leaching uh, process will actually remove that so um, basically all that's going to happen there at the toll mill is uh, it's all going to be sent across the table to create your different zones of concentrates and uh, he's got four huge tables that uh, two uh, ball mills are going to be crushing now um, so that's that's what's going to happen in there now um, our bowl the big uh, centrifugal bowl the, the, the big green bowl that uh, we, we sell um, mm -hmm. is going to go after the crusher and before the ball mill and the reason for that is because some of the ores that come in their gold is going to be large enough that the um, if it was allowed 
go into the ball mill, the ball mill will steamroll it into a big flat pancake of gold that will ride across the water and you'll lose it. Right. Okay? So, so you have to remove the larger gold first. So it's all going to go through the centrifugal bowl, which is going to be able to capture all the gold down to about two, 250 mesh. And then everything from 250 mesh and smaller is going to go into, as well as the, the, the gravels, you know, the crushed rock that may or may not have gold in it. But if gold has been removed from the ore, the host rock, at that point, then it doesn't have to go into the ball mill. When it gets to the ball mill, it crushes it down into a, a slurry, a slime, and then that goes across the table. Then the table cons are separated and given back to the customer, and then everything else is processed um, either for um, the cement companies or, or landscaping right. or, or, the, or whatever. But, uh, but, you, but none of it ever reaches the water system again. So. So that's that. He's in uh, Idaho Springs, right? Yes. Yeah, and he's right on Clear Creek. Yeah, I I know the building he 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 uh, restored. Yeah, ex well, I I explored it when I lived there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah, he um he found another old foundation that was uh, buried under there. Yeah. Um. That that was prior, probably prior to the building that you had seen. But uh, it was, there's some amazing stuff. In fact, we went up about 700 feet up the hill. And um, you may have seen a picture of me and him, and I'm holding a pan. Um, it's, if you look on my Facebook, Mike Pung's Facebook, you can see a picture of Harold and I, um, or Jay. Um, but we're up in a, another layer of riverbank, which is 700 feet above the current river. And uh, you can see all the round rocks. You can see it's a riverbed. So um, that cool. upper bench has got some amazing gold in it. Nice. Nice. Um, I could have sworn with your, your new venture, I saw a Jeff Williams video with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that video says something about there's millions of gold or something like millions in gold on that hill or whatever. It's we were not running the tailing old tailings pile, right? Yes, the, that big mound that he said there's millions there. That is a tailings pile. It's not right. a workings pile. It's tailings. And one of the cool things that we found out when we're running that is we had, if you watch the video, you see we got some pretty chunky gold in there. All the gold was in 16 mesh and bigger, or 200 mesh and smaller. And, and everything from 200 mesh up to 16 mesh was gone. Hmm. So, wow. so, what, so what that told me was, since it was, a, um, it was a wet operation and they had to bring water eight miles into that operation to, uh, to be able to run it there. So the bigger stuff they classified off and the smaller stuff blew through. Exactly. So their targeted area, they did very well with. And so again, the golden rule, if everything's the same size, gold rules. Right. right? So that's basically what was happening. They got rid of most of the material by classifying it down, targeted the largest percentage of the gold at a sacrifice of some of the bigger stuff. 
Um, so that's that's just what they did because anytime you're running dirt, that dirt has to get wet first before it can turn into the slurry. So and then it leaves wet. So it consumes water that All is right. precious out there because they, they had an eight inch pipe running water eight miles, and wow. uh, so they had to preserve that water. So they just they just went down into the zone what I call the pay size. That's the size that's going to pay most of the bills at the end of the day. So their pay size was 16 minus. That's the, the most efficient size to get for the for uh, the your equipment. Well, for their equipment, they did a real good job. And since they didn't have big stuff in there, they could uh, take a lot more care. Remember what I was saying when you're out prospecting and you and you you find gold. You're not, you don't just look for the amount of gold you have. You look for the size, you look for the shape, and then you run your equipment. You don't have to have all kinds of special equipment. You got to treat your equipment special. You got to make it to where your equipment is performing to match the gold that you have available to you. And you have to right. look at your pay size. Because if you've got an occasional nugget, um, that's going to be like one gram, and you're going to try to run five times more material to get that one gram and you just wasted um, uh, five or six grams of small stuff that blew out because you're running too hard. Right, because you're running for the bigger stuff and not the smaller stuff. Exactly. You got to match your pay size to your operation. So that's what they did there. And that was kind of neat. Um, but we had a lot of fun um, uh, playing with uh, uh Jeff Williams on that bowl. I actually put him to work. I had him jump in the bowl <laughs> and uh, adjust the new fingers on there because uh, uh, originally uh, we had uh, just regular steel with hard face to uh, ag to agitate underneath the rings. And uh, uh, I got some uh, AR500 uh, abrasion resisted uh, steel that we uh, fingers to put on there. So I had him in there with a wrench and everything. He says, well, I didn't know I was gonna have to turn a wrench. It's just like old times, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty hot that, that day that he went out there. Well, actually, the next day it got the hottest. It was 110 degrees that next day. But uh, it was pretty pretty, pretty rough out there, right around the 4th of July area. So have you done uh, much metal detecting? I've been doing a lot more metal detecting lately. Um, well, when you get the... Um, GPZ 7000, it kind of gives you the itch pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just came back from uh, North Carolina. I was out there with uh, Tim Fisher. He's, uh, um, he's the uh, owner of uh, Eastern Outdoor Expeditions. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, I went out there with, uh, with two things in mind. Um, doing a little gold prospecting with a metal detector and getting some shark's teeth, some megalodon shark's teeth. Yeah. So uh, that'd yeah. be cool. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, we got out there, and then uh, while we're out there, um, guess who shows up? Uh, Debbie Simowski, or Simkowski. So she uh, she came out, and uh, um, she's the mine lab lady. Yeah. You know, so Debbie came out, and uh, we had a blast out there, and uh, so we we uh, we did some metal detecting around some old uh, uh, plantation houses out there. Found some cool stuff around those. Um, I found a uh, 2.4 gram nugget on an old tailing pile from the 1800s. Um, 
uh, Tim actually found a wooden hull bucket line dredge buried in his property. Yeah, I, I've been talking to Tim and Ross about coming on. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you what, you probably need subtitles with their accent, but <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've watched their videos, but I they, I I like their do-it-yourself attitude. You know, their trommel and that lift they have oh, yeah, at the fun. mine. Yeah. <laughs> but oh got a question for you. Yeah. From Tr. Tr says he has a. Four stack cube and trommel. Do you see any need to use the trommel on Lake Superior? And since no. you mine the Great Lakes all the time, or every year, isn't it? Yeah, I go up there for a family reunion every year. So we do the family reunion. Christmas in July is what we do down in Gaylord, Michigan. And uh, and then that following week, we go up to uh, Lake Superior to, to play on the beach and mine. Okay, on the beach, the problem is everything on the beach that you're going to be running is probably 50 mesh and smaller. No. And if you, th if you put a trommel on there, everything's going to go through the trommel at once. And immediately you've got a surge of way too much material, which is extremely right. heavy and you will clog up your clog up your cube. So the trommel does not work very well. Okay. Unless you just baby spoon feed, the uh, the trommel, but then might as, well just, might, yeah. might as well just sit there and pan then, huh? Oh no, not not pan. Just take the trommel off and and just, just uh, feed the cube itself. Okay, so yeah. what I do, I use the gold banker on the beach. If if I've got sand, I use a gold banker. And what I'll do is I'll actually take the gold banker and make it almost flat, almost no lift whatsoever. Right, just water pushing. Right, and then. I put a, a shovel load on top of the, the gold banker and it clogs it up. But the water running over top of that dirt acts like a feeder. So I can walk away from it and it'll still be feeding at a very nice pace. If I'm not feeding it enough, I just steepen it up a little bit. If I'm feeding right. it too much, I flatten it out more. So I can use a gold banker as a controllable feed unit that will make it to where my gold cube is going to be working optimally without surges and without starvation. So I want to go up there. I want to try to make it up there this year, sometime in the spring or summer. Yeah. Um, so what are, and I know that when you, when you were first developing the cube, you were running into some problems about being able to, to mine on the beach and stuff. So since then, regulations have changed and i'm from what i understand you're part of that change can you uh, yes. explain what those regulations are yes um originally when i went up there and found that gold um they didn't know that there was gold on there they didn't know if i could or couldn't prospect on the beach and i actually got what was called <laughs> a joint permit and a joint permit it takes the landowner which is the park ranger himself Right. Um, and the because uh, he's responsible for the minerals, um, it takes the uh, Army Corps of Engineers and it takes the um, uh, Environmental Quality, the EPA. Um, so the um, 
all three of those have to sign off. And then I actually got a mining permit for that beach, but only a certain part of the beach. I had to say how much I was going to be on. And I also had to tell them how much material I was going to move in a year. So it's all part of the processing thing. At that point, I could actually run an engine and pull water from the lake. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I remember that was part of the problem. You weren't allowed to use uh, motors down there and uh, not even electric to pump water. Well, here's, here's uh, what happened. I noticed that people were trying to do that and they didn't have a permit. And I, and I constantly had to tell people, no, you got to go through this permit, yada, yada, yada. It was a big pain in the butt. So I let my permit go. I just let it go. And I started doing everything recirculating. I, I've been in contact with every ranger that's up there who's been in charge or stepped in next, you know, the next one in charge or whatever. And I, st I keep a good relationship. And a lot of mining is all about relationships. Right. So um, I kept a good relationship up there. And I said, if you ever have any questions, ever, ever need any um, clarification or anything, feel free to call me. And they do. And um, so during my mining permit um, acquisition, I, I made friends with some of the people in the state. So um, I made some really good, uh, really good contacts. So I was able to talk to many people uh, to help things stay moving. Right. Um, so 10 years ago, um, this is in, oh, let me think. Oh gosh, it was uh, 12 years ago. 11 or 12 years ago. Anyway, when I was, when, when I first started mining in there um, uh, and realizing that the, uh, the, the gasoline and all that stuff was going to be a problem. Um, I, I gave them a idea of what I thought would work that everybody could live by and it would protect the beach goers. That's, that's, that's the main purpose of the beach. Right. And um, protect the, uh, the minerals, protect the miners. Um, and, uh, I said, I think this is going to be a good set of rules. And basically it was, you can't pump out of the water. You can't pump out of the lake. You have to bucket it out. So we're not going to have any hoses strewn, strewn all over the place for people to trip on because there's a lot of people going up and down the beach looking for rocks. There's a right. lot of pretty rocks up there. Right. So that, that keeps you out of the way. You cannot set up in the normal flow of traffic, which is, there's no good dirt down there anyway it's all up on the high high part of the beach where the waves have um taken away the blonde sands and left the black sands behind okay so um that was an easy one nobody's going to want to be down by the beach anyway you can't you can't pump or uh, down by the water so um uh going up to you know going up where you're working was the best way to do it and the only real way to work up there is recirculating so um, recirculating with uh, uh, battery devices only. Um, so there's no gas and oil and diesel and, and any of that other stuff that's, that, that could So it's be a lot like Cape Disappointment. It is. It is. Um, I think on Cape Disappointment, they can actually use gasoline generators now. Oh, okay. Yeah, for their because, power. Yeah, the power, because. The power to get their. Uh, like electric pumps and stuff like that, yeah. right. But um, so uh, recently, though, somebody went up and, um, you know, you're always going to have that one idiot go mm -hmm. up there and press his luck and say, they, and the, the, the people from the park says, you're way too big down here. You got way too much stuff. You're not supposed to have an ATV down here. You're not supposed to have a fire. You're not supposed to this, not to that. 
And, you know, so, and the guy says, well, show me the rules. Well, there weren't any rules. It was just understandings. Right. So they, they immediately said, okay, the new rule is. Hang on, let me no, write them out here for you. <laughs> yeah. Rules. <laughs> yeah. So, so the park, because he was being such an idiot and, right. and was uh, actually being very, they, they, they feared repercussions from him. Wow. Because, um, because he was even packing. You're not even supposed to pack a weapon on state land. Oh, um, really? In Michigan, right? So he uh, in a state park. Um, so so he, he was packing and everything. So, um, they said, no, you have to leave. The new rule is, what you're doing right here is not allowed. That's all there is to the rules. <laughs> and. Um, so what they did is they actually had that rule. Since there are no rules spelled out to, for this activity, the rule is you cannot remove black sand, so you can't fill your truck with black sand, and you cannot remove gold from the beach, period. All right, so that's what happened. And so then I got called. Um, this, this, the state DPAA, Nick, he calls me and he goes, Mike, we got a problem. I said, all right, let me, let me see what I can do. I'm on it. So um, it went two months for them to uh, finally get my get the rules in place and uh, and and make it happen. Actually, um, I had them agree to the new rules um, about two weeks after all this came about, and then it just went all year. And then finally, before the two months before the the season was supposed to open up. They still hadn't done anything, so I I started stepping on toes, and uh, and got my way. <laughs> but um, so basically, is I I spelled out the size of the of the uh, amount of water that you could retain, which is seventy five gallons. Nobody wants to pack seventy five gallons. Um, I said the size of the sluice box, which is like four hundred and sixty five square inches. So right. if you've got one foot by four foot. Or if you've got six inches by eight feet or whatever, it's a square, the square inches of collection surface, not the whole, not the slick plate, none of that stuff. It's just collection surface. Um, I, I spelled out that you can't pump water, you have to bucket it. Um, I spelled out the, the height of the hole, um, uh, the, of the pile in the hole. So you can't have a hole left any deeper than a foot. You can't have a mound of sand any higher than a foot. In other words, if a kid was building a sandcastle, that's all the more impact you can make on the beach. Okay. So, um, so I made it, and I and I spelled out why I did all these things, and they accepted them a hundred percent. It's like if this is all we got to do, and you guys are happy with it, then we're happy with it. So, so you stroked, um, a, so you stroked them pretty good, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. I made their <laughs> I made their job easy for them, and yeah, they appreciated yeah. it for me. <laughs> Well, that's so, better, than, better than the previous regulation where none of it was allowed. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, that. I guess it would be cool to be able to have a gas pump out there and be able to just, you know, do some dry uh, dredging. But then you're talking about a state property and, you know. You know right. And, yeah. And, a bunch of people be able to go out there and do a little bit of prospecting and mining than, you know, nobody. Right. And I've had a bunch of people like when they mm -hmm. find out that I'm going to be up there, they'll go up there. And, uh, and as another thing, when I was stating my uh, case to the uh, park, I told them, I says, 
how much more revenue have you gotten because of miners? And they're going like, oh, a bunch. I said, so a lot of these improvements that you've done to the park, you would not have been able to afford without the miners. I said, we are here as good stewards of the park and we appreciate the park. And I said, we just want you to appreciate us too. Right, and you know, and the, the, the way you did the regulations in reality, nothing we do is gonna damage that. You know, uh, individuals like us going out there for a weekend and just digging dirt, we're not gonna do as much damage as a good storm coming in onto that beach will do. You know, no, in fact, they've had 30 foot waves there, and we'd right. have been 30 feet underwater, you yeah. know. So, so the little bit of the little bit of, of uh, material movement that we make doing that is really nothing, right? Know? And and well, one of the most the most important thing out there, yeah, the most important thing out there was public safety, right. And, uh, and since it's not a federal mining claim, it belongs to the state and the state right. owns the minerals. Um, I had to do everything I could to stay within their rules and laws and, and feel goods and get as much for the miners we could possibly get. Right. And, you know, maybe after a while of, of miners going up there and they're seeing, you know, how much revenue they're bringing in, how little damage they're actually doing, uh, maybe they'll go, you know what, maybe we can let them do a little more. Maybe go ahead and, you know, run some pumps or whatever. You know, run a gas like like the gas generators, you know. But that will come in time. Sure. <laughs> yeah. After a while, it gets to be extremely noisy. And uh, there's a lot of yeah. the people there are there to enjoy the wilderness. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, you are in a yeah. park, a state park. Right, it, right. So you have to respect where we are right. and whose backyard. And uh, so, and, 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 and it, it all really comes down to respect. And, um, and then they respect us back. And I tell you what, one of the funnest things that happens every time I go up to Lake Superior is um, I'll come home to my um, camping trailer and there'll be a note on my door from somebody, some kid's parents saying how much they appreciated the time we spent with their kids, how much the um, how much of an education we gave them about the mining and right. and and fun. And I always carry um, a dozen vials or so with me. And and I'll if the kid's getting some gold, I'll put his specks of gold in a vial and he'll I'll send them home with it. And I uh, that is such I'm, a greatest feeling. It is. It's amazing. It, it, and it's a and now a minor is a good thing to that child. And that's the right. type of thing that we need growing up with right, that right. type of mindset. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and like, that's kind of like how, sorry, Jesse. One of the, you know, one of the things that I ask of the, the YouTubers when they come on here and people like you is show the garbage you clean up sometimes. Yeah, in your videos show, show you know let people see look here <clears throat> we're taking this out this is what we found on the beach we're taking it out with us you know that I, helps too yeah i have our miners actually take the garbage up to the uh, check-in station <laughs> you know where where the campers check in right yeah. and uh and then and then throw their garbage away all the way up there 
and say that this was picked up off the beach by us prospectors. When, right. when I'm back home in Washington, Mike, I pick up usually a couple bags of trash out in the woods and stuff or out along the rivers. Right, right. And I take it to the ranger station and ask, can I use your dumpster? I was out in the woods, out in the national forest, and I picked this up while I was out gold prospecting. And they're like, wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's like, oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. And we don't see anything that. There to eat? <laughs> <laughs> so, so next time you do a video, Throw something like that in there and give me a shout out. Yeah. Oh, yeah Je- this is Jesse's this is Jesse's garbage. <laughs> I had to pick up after him. <laughs> but I think it's important that, that that us being stewards of our of the of the land, that it's I think that we should also include that in, in our videos whenever we can, you know? Oh for, yeah. For those people that just, you know. Because, you know, a lot of people find us just by what's, let me watch something, you know, oh, what's this? Yeah, and the then, next suggested video, yeah. Right, and then you, you show them what, you know, the gold and the trash. So you know? If you're, you're going to get the next generation interested, get them interested in the cleanup as well. Get them interested all the way around. Right. Bring it all the way around. So, yeah, the whole process and yeah. why yes. we are who we are. Right. And after all, all of us, we're all ambassadors to a, our lifestyle, our hobby, our, our what we our do, passion. our yeah. passion. Yeah. When we do a demo, we show our trash. We show the kids the trash we pull out. Oh, yeah. yeah. We bring our trash to the demo. Station Pour it into a panning tub. Mm-hmm. An empty one, of course. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And they're like, and it's really cool because they 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 don't realize how much garbage there really is in there. And they don't they don't understand even that little pot can they left by the tree will wind up in the river at some point. You know, piss off some metal detector guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that too. Yeah. Twenty years from now, ooh, I think I got some gold. Oh, can. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, I, I just I just like to encourage all YouTubers to do that, you know, especially in this community. We need to we need to overcome the 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 uh, commercial media on that because they don't show any of that. It's it's boring. We know it's boring, right? You know, right. You know but it's still important. The scissor bills, as Buzzard would say, you know, um, or the Enviro Nazis, they they like, skew what we do way out of proportion too. And dude, I not to knock any fishermen out there or anything, but I pick up a lot of fishermen's trash. Yeah, it's, the fishermen aren't bad. It's the bad fishermen that are bad. That's right. true. <laughs> and, and there's bad prospectors and small-scale miners. There's bad right, uh, right. in everybody and every lifestyle. But the better ambassadors we are, the better for what we enjoy and 
they won't take it away. Like, right, like, that'll, well, that'll help in our preservation. I, I know out west, like in Washington, Crown Pacific Warehouser property and stuff, uh, they get tax breaks for allowing public use. But if you abuse their land, they'll close it up. They'll, they'll say, we'll eat the taxes and we'll close the land because right. it isn't Just worth like it. It's like a private prison, you know? Right, right. You you know, we don't like what you're doing. You're not being good stewards. We'll just take away that privilege altogether. And even though public lands is public lands, it's supposed to be our land, uh, they use that excuse to the BLM does, U.S. Forest Service does, to shut off areas to the public and the more we show them that we're good stewards of the land and good ambassadors of what we do the better it is for the whole community and whole yep. i agree mike's yep. just Absolutely. like <laughs> mike's so we're just into overtime now Ed. Overtime and Ray Rusan, thank you very much for the five dollar right, super chat, brother. I think he might have liked the show tonight. What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, I think he so. thinks he thinks I I I live in red behind there. He thinks I'm Santa Claus. Don't tell Ray I'm not Santa Claus. Okay. <laughs> we 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 have good Santa and bad Santa in the house tonight. You know, I was in um, Walmart the other day, and the kid comes up, and he goes, you're not Santa. I said, <laughs> and his mom was right behind him, and she went, just with lips, she says, Danny, you know. So I, I looked at him, I says, well, Danny, are you, willing to, are you willing to take a chance on that? And he looked at me, he goes, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, you no, don't want to be on the naughty list now, do you? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine he pulled out a piece of paper and a pencil? Danny. This this side or that side? <laughs> that would have that would have freaked him out. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad his mom told me his name because that just sealed the deal oh, right that's there. Sealed it, that sealed it. He's gonna be he's gonna be a Santa Claus believer all his life. Yes, I <laughs> met him at Walmart. <laughs> he was buying pencils. <laughs> that's funny. Funny. Oh, I, I appreciate you coming back and uh, joining us again, Mike. Uh, I miss seeing you this year at the Gold Show. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, I, when... miss, I miss seeing everybody. Oh, wait, wait. And, and before we say goodnight, Mike, got to tell a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to ask him, Jesse. Got to tell a joke. I was going to ask him for one of his crazy minor dad jokes uh, before <laughs> before we left. He could sign us out with that. 
<laughs> well, the one that I like the most, which I tell at every single show, <laughs> the GPAA show, and it's and it's funny. The um, um, it's it's certain parts of the country will catch it faster than other parts of the country. You'll see why. Yeah, it's like, you, weren't you surprised how fast I caught it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so the one of them is not really actually a minor joke. It was about a uh, a, a uh, magician. It was a Hispanic magician, and um, his only trick was he could make himself disappear at the count of three. So he went uno, dos, poof, and he disappeared without a trace. <laughs> it, took her, it took her a few seconds I yeah know. yeah you gotta think trace three oh <laughs> and but my my favorite minor joke is um what chord does a piano strike when you throw it down a mine shaft it's a flat minor <laughs> <laughs> Rose, that's the reaction he gets every time. But <laughs> <laughs> he sees and the crowd goes. <laughs> as long as you laugh, that's what's the that's what yeah. 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 I enjoy it every time. That's all that's important to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's amazing I can I can hold my laughter in telling the joke because I know the punchline. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh. All right, guys. It's, you know, it's been a pleasure, dude. Uh, I'm glad we got to talk to you again. It's been a while. Definitely, can't Mike. See you again. Can't wait for the gold shows to come around so yeah. we can all see everybody again. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, you bet. And, and maybe even make it up to Lake Superior sometime. I'm generally there the first week in August. Awesome. First uh, week. Uh, just August. keep keep track of my uh, my my personal page, Mike Pung on Facebook, uh -huh. and I usually say when I'm going to be there, um, a few weeks before I'm ready to go. But it's generally the first week in August. Um, sometimes it's into the last week of July, into the into the first week of August. But uh, it just depends on what the family wants to do and when they want to get together. So. Right. Um, and, and, you know, don't forget, you're always invited to Gold Rush Days in Ohio on Labor Day in September. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Um, but That's usually by that time, That's a good time. Uh, it's a good time to be in Alaska, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> I, I'd take Alaska over Ohio Gold Rush Days. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll bet you the mosquitoes are bigger up there, though. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear they can fly <laughs> yeah, off with exactly. you. Um, yeah. Again, thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate you joining us. Always have a great time talking to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, um, we'll do it again. And remember, when you make the bucket cube, you, you still have my address, I think, don't you? I'm pretty sure I do. I don't throw anything away. Ask my wife. <laughs> and speaking of your wife, tell her hi for us. And yeah. tell her we'll see her next year, hopefully at the Gold Show. Yeah, if anybody calls the uh, 800 number, it's 800-649-0256. And talk to uh, that that uh, pretty voice on uh, on the telephone there. That's my wife, Pam. Yeah. 
Great Very gal. Cool. Great gal. Uh, everybody, all the channel members and website members and what Patreons are left, um, there's a link below for the Flash Fam members group, Flash Fam members only group on Facebook. Please come and join. Also, you can now catch us while you're working or driving, whatever, a replay at Anchor, um, Spotify, uh, like four other places. But the link for the Anchor site for our podcast is down below also. Everybody, thank you very much for joining us tonight for another Tuesday night hang out live and uh, enjoying our time with Mike Pun and uh, the rest of the Flash Fam crew here. Until next week, we're oh next week we're having another um, um, gear inventor manufacturer uh, Alan Trees uh, from Gold Grabber. Uh, was the inventor of the gold grabber dredge, high banker, gold pan, uh, rocker box. Uh, he'll be on next Tuesday night. Should be a really good show. And until then, may you always have a flash in your pan. And you know what he's going to say next. That's right, Jesse, because ask Rose and Otis and Damon. It happens. Maybe and one Ryan. day too. We'll meet you on the river. That's right, Jesse and Brian. Good night, everybody. God bless. Good night, folks. Stay Good safe night, out there. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thomas, Lucky Ducky Thomas, Fox. Four, three, two, one. <laughs>